And are we associating with the things of God and the things of Christ and the people of the Lord? Or are we associating with the things of this world and people in this world who are walking against the ways of the Lord? And it's not that we don't associate with those who are not believers because they need to see the light of Jesus Christ shining through our lives that we might be able to attract them toward Christ. But we have to watch how we stand alongside. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Let's go ahead and get into God's Word. It's Romans chapter 6, picking up verses 15 through 23 today. I titled this message with a question... To whom do you belong? And here in chapter 6, we find Paul teaches believers how they are to live in this present age. He'll continue that theme in chapters 7 and 8 as well. As I mentioned last Sunday, that there are actually three different phases of our sanctification, three different positions that we have. I think it's really important for us to get a hold of this First and foremost, positional sanctification refers to our spirits being sanctified the moment we believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We are sanctified. That's the position that we have in Christ. That's how God views us. But then there is the practical sanctification or progressive sanctification. It refers to our souls being sanctified as we walk through this world. It's the process that we experience in our sanctification, going from what we were before Christ until we become whatever the Lord would have us to be as believers in Jesus Christ. And then there is the ultimate sanctification. It is either by rapture or by death or the resurrection of the dead that when we stand before the Lord face to face, that is our ultimate sanctification will experience it body, soul, and spirit at that point. But right now we're in the process, and I think this is important for us to understand because while we're in the process, we tend to go back and forth with feelings, trying to justify things that we do or do not do, and we tend to try to cause that to impact whether we are sanctified or not. In a sense, we might be able to say it this way, and there is a segment of the church that believes in the loss of salvation. And so 
we can get into a place where we begin to wonder, am I saved? Am I not saved? And we can go back and forth and just kind of live in that back and forth rut. And if you stay in a rut long enough, it becomes a ditch and eventually it becomes a grave. That I think it's so important to know that we have a position in Christ. We are sanctified. He is working that out in our lives. That's the practical side of our sanctification as he works it out. And as he works that out in our lives, we're going to see failure. Just because we see failure does not mean that we have lost our salvation and need to start all over again. It just means that it's time to repent and to get up and, and walk the sanctified life that he has called us to do. We discovered last week in verse 1 that Paul began these two sections with two rhetorical questions. And the first in chapter 1, what shall we say then? In chapter 15, what then? And so he takes it from something that he has just taught, he had just presented, and then he takes an argument that he perhaps envisions his readers of having, and he asks them this question as believers. The answer is supposed to be no, but he gives the question. He lays it out there. And the first was, what then? He argues that since God's grace abounds greater than our sins, should we continue? It means to remain in or to continue long in. Should we continue in sin that God's grace might abound even more? And as we looked at last week, the idea, the thought behind the question, of course, the answer is no. He would say certainly not. But the argument was the more we sin, the more God's grace is displayed. He says certainly not to this. And then he goes on in verses 2 through 14 to present our position as believers in Jesus Christ. The second what then is what we're going to look at today. Since we are under grace and since we are no longer under the law, once again, he asked that question, shall we sin because we are no longer under the law, but under grace? And again, the answer is certainly not. We're going to look at this today in a message that I titled with a question, to whom do you belong? Broken down into three sections. Whose slaves are you? Verses 15 and 16, having been set free, verses 17 and 18, and slaves of God, verses 19 through 23. I'm going to read verses 15 and 16 to begin our teaching today. So we're looking at whose slave are you, verses 15 and 16. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one's slaves to whom you obey, whether of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness. Open us, Lord, to the truth of your word and help us, Lord, to understand. I believe all of Roman is very important for the church today to grab a hold of. Chapters 6, 7, and 8, 9, and onward. Lord, learning how to practically live out our faith in the day and age that we 
find ourselves in, Lord, this is so important for the church. So help us, Lord, to gain greater understanding. But Lord, not just a head knowledge. Let it be a heart knowledge. As we live to shine as you would have us to in this world that you have planted us this day, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So whose slave are you? He asked the question, shall we sin in verse 15? What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? And he gives the answer, certainly not. Verse 15 ties back to verse 14 that Paul had said, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. You're not under the law. It speaks about that which rules over you or who is Lord of you. It speaks about the deliverance of the believer from the dominion of sin. We are no longer under sin. We're no longer under the law. And once saved by faith, sin no longer has dominion or lordship over our lives. For we are no longer under the condemnation of the law, but we are under God's grace. Jesus Christ came to pay the debt that we could not pay ourselves. And he did so by paying the debt of the law, the law that God had given. If we take it back to the Ten Commandments, he paid the requirement of the law, that which we have broken. And we are no longer under the law. We are under grace now. In Romans 5.20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And it's not really an argument of grace here. It's because of the grace of God that Jesus came, offered his life upon the cross, that he died, he was buried, and that he rose again from the grave. And it's through faith in Jesus Christ that we have been freed from the condemnation of the law, but also it has freed us from the law. We're no longer under the law. And so the argument, since we are under grace, no longer under the law, shall we sin? And Paul answers, certainly not. And the idea is that we are no longer to go about in the practice of sin or intentional sinning with the attitude that, you know what, God's grace is going to cover me. Now, there is a difference, I believe, between the practice of sin, it means it's something that you are actively pursuing, or falling into sin, something that was unintentional, but it happened. So that happens to all of us. Yes, God's grace is amazing, and God's grace does cover our sins, but we are not to test the grace of God by intentionally sinning, saying that, you know what, God's grace will cover this. We're not to abuse the grace of God that he has over us. And John wrote it this way in 1 John 2, 1, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So the argument, since we are under grace and no longer under the law, Shall we sin? The answer, certainly not. And then he says, verse 16, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether sin leading to death 
or of obedience leading to righteousness, to whom you present yourself. A Greek word translated as present in the New King James, it means to stand alongside. So Paul is saying, whomever you stand alongside, you either stand alongside sin or you stand alongside God and serve God. And Christians must set their members in service of God and not of sin. We're not to stand alongside sin, but we are to stand alongside God. I think that's important in the church today for us to get this concept of standing alongside. It's whom you are associated with. And we can stand alongside a number of things in this world today. We can positionally stand alongside in politics or in cultural things in our world. Who are we found associating with? And are we associating with the things of God and the things of Christ and the people of the Lord? Or are we associating with the things of this world and people in this world who are walking against the ways of the Lord? And it's not that we don't associate with those who are not believers because they need to see the light of Jesus Christ shining through our lives that we might be able to attract them toward Christ. But we have to watch how we stand alongside. There was a book many years ago that I read by Paul E. Little uh, titled How to Give Away Your Faith. And I remember him talking about friendships that are outside of Christians in the world today. So your friendships with non-Christian friends that you may have, make sure that they do not make you compromise in the position that you have in Christ. And so the friend might offer, would you like to hang out at the bar after work today? You might respond, you know what? I'd love to hang out with you. Could we find a different place to go to? other than the bar itself. And so you, you find a place that will help you not compromise the position that you have in Christ. And so it's, who are you standing alongside? We're all slaves. Doulos is the Greek word. It means to serve or to belong to another. And Paul realized that he knew that he belonged to Jesus and he gave himself wholly over to God's will. And this is something that we should all understand as believers, that we belong to the Lord. We are slaves of God. He said there in verse 16, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether sin to death or obedience to righteousness. And so that of obedience, that of compliance or submission. Here in verses 16 through 23, we find that there is this idea of liberation that we have found through faith in Jesus Christ, that he has freed us from death and slavery of sin to that of righteousness that leads to our sanctification and ultimately eternal life. And Paul lays out a choice of life and death here and the importance of that. It reminded me of Moses prior to his going to be with the Lord. He didn't get to enter into the promised land because of his own sin. 
God didn't allow him to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. We know that his aid, Joshua, led them into the promised land. But prior to their going in, he gave the second generation that came out of Egypt, he gave them this challenge in Deuteronomy 30:19. He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now, their parents had chosen at Kadesh Barnea, they had chosen to be disobedient to the Lord. When the Lord offered them the promised land, they said, no, we're not strong enough. We can't go in. And then God said, because you have disobeyed me, you didn't enter into the land for every day that the spies spent in the promised land, which was 40 days, you'll spend one year for each day. So 40 years, you're going to stay in this wilderness. And then they said, we'll enter in now. And God said, don't do it. I'm not with you. And they tried it anyways. And they were defeated. Their parents had chosen death and their bodies were cast throughout the wilderness there. But he challenged them to choose life. But notice there in Deuteronomy 30, 19. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. As I read that earlier today, I was thinking as a young man, even as a teenager, there's a lot of things that I chose to do in life that I really didn't think about the consequences. I didn't think about those whom I might be hurting in the process. But as I have grown and as I grew in life and I was married, then I was living for myself and Lily. When children came along, then it wasn't just uh, myself and Lily. It was me, Lily, ultimately Melissa and John. And then when they were married and then grandchildren came along. And as the years have passed by, that I choose life not only for myself, but I'm choosing for my wife, for my children, for my grandchildren, for this church, for friends that I have. I choose to live my life in such a way that I represent Christ because I realize that others are watching. And it's our obedience to Jesus that allows us to live righteous lives before God. But having been set free, verses 17 and 18, I'll read the context. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Having been set free, you were freed from sin. He said in verse 17, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Paul breaks out here in a momentary praise. The believers' lives in Rome, they had once been slaves of sin, but they had obeyed the message of the gospel that had been presented to them that led to their salvation. 
We were all once slaves of sin, as we know our memory verse found in Romans uh, 3.23, not this month's memory verse, but prior to this month. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were all once slaves of sin. And this was the condition that everyone had before receiving Christ Jesus. We were all sinners in need of a Savior, but not just any Savior. There's only one who can truly save, and his name is Jesus. We live in a world today that wants us to compromise on that one point right there. The world would like us to say, as people of faith, they would like us to say that there are many ways that lead to God. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we cannot say that that is a compromising of our faith. Jesus said that there is only one way, and I am the way that leads to life. So we have to stand upon that. But you believed from the heart. It is a Greek word, two Greek words there. It's ek, cardias. We know cardio, the heart, so the Greek word. We know where uh, we got our, it came from the Greek, the cardiologist. Cardia is the Greek word for heart. And so it's ek, cardias. It means out from or out of the heart. In other words, it means they believed wholeheartedly. They had heard the proclamation of the gospel, that form of doctrine that came to them. And then they wholeheartedly believed and were delivered from the bondage of sin. And God must first go through the mind uh, in order to get to our hearts. And we must have some content in order to understand the word of God, to have the gospel of Jesus Christ presented to us. It's not just facts that we can lay out some facts in order. There are, are a number of theologians today that uh, know a lot about the Word of God, but it doesn't mean that they're necessarily believers in Jesus Christ. They can just have a great knowledge of God's Word. So it's not just about facts, but God uses our mind. He goes through our mind to get to our hearts. One of the theologians said, the devil perhaps could write a better systematic theology than any saint but will never come to Christ because he hates the things of God. We must also trust Christ with our hearts to be saved. Romans 10.10 says, For out of the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So there is the belief that comes from the heart, but the mouth engages our mind. We make that confession. But to be slaves of righteousness, verse 18, having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. You've been set free from sin. We were once slaves of sin, but we've been freed to serve Jesus, therefore becoming slaves of righteousness. And being freed from sin, it does not mean we're without sin, but that we've had a change in priority. Prior to Christ, our life was focused upon the things of this world. But as believers, then our lives are to be focused upon the things of Christ. Father, thank you so much for your word and for what it teaches us. And 
Father, there is a choice that must be made in each of our lives, and we make that choice daily. But ultimately, Lord, there is a decision that everything will hinge off of. Lord, every individual in this world has to decide whether they are going to live for God or to live for self. If they decide they are going to live for God, then they need to come to faith in God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, you died, you were buried, you rose again, that we might be freed from sin, that we might live for righteousness. But the decision must be made. We each have that choice to make, ultimately, whether we believe or do not believe. But then, Lord, as believers, we daily have those choices to make. Help us, Lord, to choose to live for righteousness that leads to more righteousness because we know ultimately, Lord, it leads to everlasting life. Help us, Lord, to conduct ourselves in such a way that we represent the one who has redeemed us, the one who has forgiven us, the one who has saved us, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.